things are we going to do this hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show? An astute email, a really fabulous email from a, a, a listener describing the appearance and growth of the shadow economy during the COVID thing. I thought it was very good. We'll, we'll touch on some of those points. I've seen it myself. Something like uh, the speakeasy. Well, I'm not allowed to be open. Well, I got news. I'm seeing my customers. They're going to give me money. I'm going to perform the service. I'm not talking about hookers here. I'm talking about legitimate businesses. There is a shadow economy uh, now growing. Instead of booze or hookers, it's getting your hair cut. Exactly. Getting your nails done. Psst. Janine sent me. All right, come in. Quick, quick. And they file your nails. <laughs> I saw a tweet about that recently, and it was California-specific, but uh, it's this way in a lot of places, I guess. It was about how, um, if you'd have told me when I was younger that I could walk into a place right now and buy pot, mm-hmm. but I got to sneak around and know somebody to get my hair cut, right. I would have wondered what happened. <laughs> well, in many jurisdictions, in blue states, you could absolutely secure the services of a sex worker. While you smoked your legal pot, but you can't get a haircut. Mm. Uh, so speaking of astute, the Wall Street Journal picked up on this, and we discussed it a little bit last week, uh, the editorial board with a column out today, Obama's filibuster swipe. He frames it as racist that will end debate among Democrats. It was not a throwaway line or not well thought out, according oh. to the Wall Street Journal, and I'm sure they're right. Yeah. When Barack Obama last week at the John Lewis Memorial Service talked about the filibuster in the Senate being the legacy of Jim Crow, that caught a lot of people by surprise. Like, what? Really? I mean, I realize Jim Crow relic or something. Yeah, yeah. A Jim Crow relic yeah. that was the uh, relic. The filibuster. The filibuster is what the current way we do it, you generally need to have 60 votes to get anything through. So just having a majority doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to get 60 votes, and that allows the minority to have some say. And usually for anything big to happen, you need some buy-in from the other party. Because there are tens of millions of people in the United States represented by those people, and their interests should be reflected. And there have been talks of ending the filibuster so that the majority could do whatever they wanted as long as they got 50 votes um, for quite some time, but nobody's ever done it. And most people, practically everybody, when they're being serious, realizes it's a terrible idea. How about this? In 2017, that's just a couple years ago, most Senate Democrats signed a letter supporting the filibuster because we are steadfastly committed to ensuring that this great American institution continues to serve as the world's greatest deliberative body. Wow. Democrats signed on to that because Republicans had the majority, and they didn't want to get just steamrolled on every issue uh-huh. um, and thought it was a terrible idea. Trump... Well, and they had the happy uh, coincidence of being absolutely correct. Oh, yeah, and they're, that they're, they're, they're on the right side there. Um, and Trump was pushing for McConnell to, 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 to vote to end the filibuster while the Republicans had control so that they could run things through. And I think, in a to uh, McConnell's credit, and he should, you know, really get credit throughout history for this. He he didn't go along with that. Nope, not going to do it. Not going to change the Senate from uh, everything that it is to to just being the House by doing mm-hmm. this just because we can. Um, but according to the Wall Street Journal, and I think they're right, uh, 
Barack Obama came up with a way that everybody can sign on and feel good about themselves and probably get the vast majority of the media on board also with making it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a holdover of Jim Crow racism. Right. And when the Democrats take control of the Senate, which, you know, if the, the election were held today is a pretty decent chance Biden wins and they take the Senate, then it's you just need 50 votes, which they would have Green New Deal, gun laws, whatever, you name it, all kinds of immigration policy mm-hmm. that is not even close to um, a majority win for the country, but it, it could happen. Wow, that is such a cynical strategy. I'm thinking it over, and, though. And brilliant. It's, it's, it's pretty brilliant, especially because there are so many American simpletons, your, your white people who suffer from white guilt, who, if you told them anything was a relic of Jim Crow or racist, they would say, oh, I'll stop. You could tell them washing vegetables before you eat them is racist, and they would eat skanky broccoli. You could tell them tying your shoes. You know, that actually originated during slave times, so the slaves couldn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. They would stop tying their shoes. And and him calling it that carries a different weight than if, like, Don Lemon did it. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. No, it's a big deal. Barack Obama signing on to that idea. Wow. And uh, again, to mention it again, just in case you didn't hear it, just a couple years ago, almost every Democratic senator signed on to a letter saying they were committed uh, to to ensure this great institution continues to serve as the greatest deliberative body, we're against eliminating the, the filibuster. Keep that in mind. Come this next January, if they all of a sudden do it. Um, reading on from that, with Mr. Obama's blessing, this will become conventional wisdom among liberal intellectuals that it is a relic of racism and woe be tied to Democrat who disagrees. I never say woe be tied. Maybe I'll start. It's 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 charming. Yes, Democrats will be in a position of you're going to go. Oh, you're going to stick your head up and argue against this being a racist relic during yeah. these current times. Yeah. Centrist Democrats won't survive primaries if they support the filibuster. And our guess is that even West Virginia's Joe Manchin, who last week pushed back against the anti-filibuster drive, won't stand in the way if he's the decisive fiftieth vote. The filibuster is not embedded in the Constitution, and a majority can lawfully eliminate it. But voters should be aware of what they're getting when they pull the lever for Democratic senator Senate candidates. A legislature that may be unconstrained by institutional norms that have checked both parties for decades. The door to radicalism is getting busted wide open, and Americans of both parties may not like what comes out the other side. This is the Wall Street Journal. I'll bet that's the strategy. Yeah, yeah, that seems clear. I think they're absolutely right. And it's, you know, it's power politics, which... You know, that's the game. That's the game that's being played, and you got to play it on the other side, too. But it's the idea of, hey, we can do this, so we're going to do that, and we're going to get the things done we've always wanted to get done. Mm-hmm. The, the problem with it is I don't see how, um, if America reacts by saying, no, 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 and in a couple of years you got an all-Republican thing, how it just doesn't all get wiped out and reversed. I guess you just hope that never happens. You know, maybe it's because I'm older or maybe I've lost my <laughs> my will. But sometimes I think, all right, we just have to live through this. The country has to live through this, make terrible mistakes that have terrible outcomes, and emerge on the other side sadder but wiser. If we have a capacity for learning anymore, I don't know. You know, history may look at, at least uh, short-term history, might look at Mitch McConnell and say, what a old-fashioned dupe who stuck with the old ways of the 20th century and didn't, when he had the chance... Change it and get all the Republican things through. They could have. 
Didn't do it. I suppose. I suppose. I heard uh, Nancy Pelosi talking over the weekend, uh, accidentally. I try to avoid the news for long periods of time, but she was uh, talking about how the Democrats were unified. She's talking about the uh, the new relief package that everybody's arguing about. She said the Republicans can't even agree on a package with her superior tone of voice. And I thought, so now independent thinking or disagreement within the caucus is looked upon as a uh, as a, a sin or something idiotic or to be mocked? That a party that always agrees on everything is to be admired. That's an interesting way to look at politics. But that is a good example right there. If you if you no longer need 60 votes, so you don't have to get Republicans to buy in at all for one of these giant bills, mm-hmm. one of these omnibus throwing you know money at the wall to see what sticks bills, right. what will those look like when one party can just make it whatever the hell they want? Oh, my God. Yeah. You have both houses. There will be gigantic wild swings of policy every couple of years. And if it's for your side, when the other side gets it, you're not going to like it. As the Wall Street Journal said, you're not going to like it when the other side has this power. And that's inevitable. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we we might be we might be about to go through a pretty crazy time. Was this last period not crazy? <laughs> not crazy enough for you? <laughs> well, so a shadow economy, a black market economy. It's known around the world, generally in, in third world uh, places, or big socialist uh, governments. Um, a black market economy is born and growing in the United States by leaps and bounds because of the COVID. Thing. This is kind of exciting. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. You, you may be soon knocking on a back door, giving the code word, and slipping inside to do your business. To get your toenails did. That next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Let me tell you something, John. Next time you send one of them peddlers over to my house, I'm going to fill his caboose full of rock salt, and he can thank you for that. The great Wilford Brimley in one of his most stirring roles adds something or other on some show. A wise old-timey guy. Exactly. (laughs) Um, He died over the weekend. Reminds me of the time Robert De Niro played a gangster. It was just it was a real moment. Wilfred Brimley as wise old-timey guy. How much money did he make being wise old-timey guy? I'm oh, guessing plenty. Yeah. Coming up later this hour, is the federal government laying the groundwork to reveal that we've had contact with aliens? <laughs> this is, I think, a serious article in the Wall Street Journal. This would be Guatemalan laborers? Is that the aliens? No, no, no. Know? Like from outer space. Space aliens. Oh, space yeah. aliens, exactly. Mm-hmm. And be surprising. <laughs> this is one of my favorite emails of all time. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm going to keep uh, Aileen Anonymous anonymous, uh, but is uh, I, uh, I'm honored that this woman listens to our show. She She begins with, I don't actually want you to read this on the air, at least not the next paragraph. I will, out of deference to her wishes, not read the paragraph. It is rife with examples of how people 
who, and it, it, it pains me to have to even say this out loud, but it's necessary, apparently. People who need to feed themselves and have a roof over their heads are finding a way to do business in spite of the often capricious, illogical, and, and, and uh, insupportable various COVID lockdown measures. People are very creative about doing business. And I would like to read you the list of examples she gives because they are very, very clever. But folks are finding a way. It's that old American ingenuity and good for you. And I, I got to admit, since I haven't seen the list, I'm pretty damn curious as to what it is. You name a business. And I can tell you how people are getting around it. Huh. And or people who may be getting benefits but are also working perhaps being paid in cash Mm, gotcha so uh, i would have zero problem with that my friends i would never ever advise you to break the laws of your state or federal uh, jurisdiction Uh, if you're cheating your county out of their due taxes i can't even look at you anymore exactly we can't be friends on the other hand if you don't do this you're a fool find a way Find a way. Keep everybody safe. You have interest in being safe. You want your customers to be safe. They want to be safe. Find a way. Jeez, the more I think about Again, it. Again, this is, this is a parody. This is an editorial for the sake of entertainment. The more I think about it. So I'm not allowed to run my business at all because the county health director says I can't, but I'm supposed to feel bad that I you're not getting your whatever percentage cut out of this haircut. Right. <laughs> Screw you. Yeah, no kidding. Amen to that. <laughs> Uh, the next step, writes Aileen Anonymous, is that many businesses, to whatever extent possible, will leave workers on unemployment rolls, pay them cash in a full-blown French or Italian-style shadow economy. This is what people never want to talk about when they talk about the big social welfare states of Europe. There is an enormous black market in these places because taxes are so high. Um, it will hmm. be the only way they can survive the ever-skyrocketing tax bills. I predict we are there by the end of the year, if not sooner. We witnessed this change in work ethic and attitudes about accepting, then expecting, government handouts unfold in France, France over the course of 30 years. Slowly at first, then with a snowball effect. And this is what we're always talking about on the A&G show. Thank you for tuning in. That People never want to discuss in an honest way. Cultural norms matter more than anything, matter more than law, matter more than, you know, the speeches by politicians, rules and regs, what people are taught in schools. Cultural norms are the most important forces in a society. Sure, and they're very hard to shape, so well, if and, they go the wrong direction, it's hard to control. Right, and politicians understand that Catering to your worst impulses is much, much easier than catering to your best impulses. Just because the best ones are generally, they involve more effort. But at any rate, so Aileen is talking about how they watched attitudes change completely in France over the course of 30 years. Uh, Slowly at first, then with a snowball effect. She talked about the election of Francois Hollande in 2012, sort of the last nail in the coffin. Much like Joe Biden, our current presidential election, Hollande was given a free pass by the super-left progressive French media. We watched stupefied as debate after debate, interview after interview. He was allowed to make impossible promises about all the amazing benefits his administration would give to the already heavily government-dependent French people without any pushback from the mainstream media, demanding to know how it would be paid for, etc. 
Now we're watching the same disaster unfold here in record time thanks to COVID. In just five months, excessively generous government handouts have provoked the attitude change in a large swath of the population that took France 22 years. Oof. Um, we may have already pushed the handout snowball too far down the hill with this mis- misguided shutdown and insane, terribly mismanaged federal aid plan. God, I hope not. Yeah, I don't. It certainly wouldn't shock me, though. Look at the violent resistance even a leftist like Macron has met, back to France now, as he attempts to make even the tiniest, most sensible changes to try to save the French economy. And we've talked about this with uh, John, what's his name, the high cost of good intentions. Uh, I can't. I love his writing, but I'm terrible at remembering authors' names. I apologize. But he talks about a uh, a benefit once given is nearly impossible to take away, and once given, it grows and grows and grows because you give it to yes, John Cogan. Thank you. You give it to a group, and the people who are just barely outside their group. Say, wait a minute, I'm two percent different. Than them, and they're getting, and I'm not. And the legislature says, well, yeah, it makes a good point. And that 2% gets it. And then another 2, another 2, et cetera. And you end up as France. And you will see this black market shadow economy grow and grow and grow. You squeeze too hard, stuff squeezes out between your fingers, you know? I think this is an incredibly smart email, oh, and we boy. appreciate Aileen writing it. And Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't think it's a coincidence that the countries with the lowest rates of obesity have had the fewest COVID deaths. Maybe China isn't hiding all their COVID deaths. Maybe their secret is that their obesity rate is 6% and ours is 42. And pointing all this out doesn't make me a d***. In fact, the shame is on everyone in media and government who is too cowardly to emphasize how important an issue this is. That's Bill Maher from his Friday night HBO show that he's still doing from his backyard. And uh, every time he talks about America being fat, he gets killed by uh, a lot of people because he's a skinny, vegan, single, childless Hollywood type. Right. But um, the fact that none of these doctors are bringing up the obesity angle. Well, some of the statistics on this are quite amazing, as you'll hear here. With COVID-19, you're twice as likely to have a poor outcome if you're obese. Actually, it's worse than that. Public Health England found that people with a body mass index of 35 to 40 have a 40% greater risk of dying from COVID. And over 40, it's a 90% greater risk. Even being mildly obese makes it five times more likely that catching the virus will land you in the ICU. And now people are gaining even more weight. They call it the quarantine 15 Geez, I remember when plagues had a slimming effect on people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you would think with those numbers that occasionally when they say the most important thing to do is to wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay six feet apart, maybe try to lose some weight. This thing's going to be around for a while. Uh, yeah. I like at one point he actually says, uh, and by the way, while you're staying at home getting a check from the government, how about you do something for us and not drink a soda with your dinner? 
<laughs> Which I thought was that's a heck of a thing for a liberal to say. <laughs> yeah, this is a bit of a... While you're at home getting a check. Yeah, no kidding. This is a bit of a tangent, but, uh, you know, once in a while I have a non-idiotic idea, and I'm as surprised as anybody. It occurs to me the most important thing we could possibly be teaching our kids in science class is uh, is uh, has to do with anatomy and, and weight gain, that sort of thing. I so I tried so hard to tell one of my kids who struggles with weight, don't gain it in the first place. Trust me, please don't. Try your best not to, because once you are heavy, your brain wants to stay that weight. It wants it desperately to the point of when you diet and lose weight, it thinks you're starving and slows your metabolism down to practically nothing so you will regain that weight. And I think if more kids really understood that, we're 100% acquainted with the science. You know, by the time they were, you know, 10 years old, 12 years old, I think that'd be a really good thing. Be better to learn than state capitals, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and, and even, and, and I value science and, and learning and, and that sort of thing, and, and I'm, I'm glad I know about photosynthesis, but frankly, I could read something right now and learn everything I know about photosynthesis if you again. Ever, if you ever needed it. Right. I mean, well, it's interesting. That's how plants grow. But I don't use that on a daily basis. Or ever. Admittedly, or ever. (laughs) But the weight stuff, don't you think that'd be a good idea? Heck yes! Yeah. But, I don't know. We, we, I don't want to get off on the tangent of how screwed up education is right now and how driven by the unions it is. But uh, I'll just quote, uh, you know, Ludwig von Mises that of all monopolies, uh, a monopoly on education is the most insidious. I think it was him. It was him or uh, what's his name? The other guy. Mark Twain. Exactly. Lincoln. CDC director admits hospitals have monetary incentive to inflate coronavirus death count. No. It was somewhat surprising, although it shouldn't be surprising because it's it's an open secret. But Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, Director Robert Redfield admitted last week that hospitals have a monetary incentive to inflate coronavirus death counts. Uh, I think you're correct in that we've seen this in other disease processes, too. Really, in the HIV epidemic, somebody may have a heart attack, but also have HIV. The hospital would prefer the HIV classification because there's greater reimbursement. So I do think there's some reality to that. When it comes to death reporting, though, ultimately, it's how the physician defines it in the death certificate. And we review all those death certificates. So I think probably it's less operable in the cause of death, although I won't say there are not some cases. I do think, though, that when it comes to hospital reimbursement issues or individuals that get discharged, there could be some play in that for sure. Well, we've known this for a long time, that dying with COVID is very, very different than dying of COVID. And there are, it's difficult to put a number on it, but the thousands, tens of thousands of people who were going to die anyway, and they happened to have the vid when they went. So they're a COVID death. We're not COVID deniers around here. I've mentioned it a couple of times. I have a a, a, a a fellow I worked with. He lost his spouse to it. A friend of mine is quite sick. He's in the hospital, and we're praying he gets better. Um, but it's important to not be a mindless denier or a mindless scaremonger and understand what's actually happening, especially as we make decisions about opening schools or not opening schools, uh, allowing businesses to operate, all of it. It's so important we're not led down the path by the by the harem scarum media or politicians who are just trying to make Trump look bad or Trump look good or whatever. It's really frustrating to see the the dumbness of 
the conversation on this topic. But I'm looking at this story in Good Morning America about this Georgia summer camp where they had 200 campers and staff members get the COVID at this camp. 200. Wow. How's everybody doing? Uh, excellent question. So what? Talk about that. Is my question, and I'm not saying that sarcastically, but we have to start asking that. So what? Uh, was it mostly kids? And is every single one of those kids fine? Well, then the story should be uh, 260 or 200 people, however many it was, uh, now cannot spread the thing. That's a victory. Um, can you print off a check on your home printer and then buy a Porsche with it? Well, apparently you can. I'll have that story coming up next. And directions, I hope. <laughs> Super. But you need to know about Simply Safe. Um, it's home security. And it doesn't cost that much, and you install it yourself in like an hour, and it's the best. The best that's out there. Simply Safe is the best overall home security of 2020, according to U.S. News and World Report. Are you trying to tell me it's less expensive, there's no messy install, there's no expensive install, and there are no long contracts, and it's better? Is that what you're claiming, sir? Yeah, no hidden fees, no fine print, about $15 a month. They've got a 60-day risk-free trial and free shipping. You just can't go wrong. With trying out Simply Safe. And the installation is effortless. You don't know you need to know which way to turn a screwdriver. I've done it. It's easy. Professional monitoring, the doorbell, cameras, everything you need. Try Simply Safe today at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong so they know we sent you. Get free shipping, 60 day risk free trial. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Uh, remember, it's S I M P L I, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Trying to figure out how this worked. So this guy in Florida, they got a picture of him with his new Porsche, because, of course, you got to Instagram out your new Porsche that you just bought with a fake check. I would. A man in Florida reportedly purchased a brand new Porsche with a check he printed on a home computer. Is he shirtless? I'd be shirtless. No, he's kind of a Hawaiian shirt guy. Mm. Casey William Kelly, 42. That's perfect Porsche by an age for a guy. It's a little, little young for my taste, but okay. Uh, cashed in the nearly $140,000 check at a local car, car dealership, was taken into custody one day later when they tried to uh, deposit the check, and it was turned out to be fake. It had just been printed on How'd a home computer. they catch him in his brand-new Porsche? He's just zooming around. <laughs> so this criminal genius, one day, one day later, he's in cuffs. Right. Nice scheme, Well, he, got, he actually got <laughs> caught when he went to buy some luxury watches, some really expensive watches, and tried to do the well, same thing. Well, it worked thing. with the car. Yeah, he tried to do the same thing again. It worked with the car for 18 hours? Maybe, <laughs> maybe let a, a little bit of a tail grow on your first scam before you start doubling <laughs> down, son. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. What? what? So many crimes. What is your thing you always say about crimes? The first sign that you're too dumb for a life of crime is that you're considering a life of crime. Right, because it just doesn't work. No. With with some exceptions. Very, very few. Uh, There's a a few moments ago, a radio host appeared to be advocating people uh, engaging in their line of work, whether government permitted it or not. Well, I don't count that. that, The sort of thing we're talking about. But, you know, you're going to steal something. What what do you think? You're going to live the good life? You're just going to drive around on that Porsche forever with your fancy watches and chicks will dig it? The dealer will never figure it out. And they'll just eat the losses. Dang it! That wasn't a real check. I guess we're just out $142,000. Won't call the cops or anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They'll never figure out who you are, or where you are, since you had to give us your driver's license and everything else. But or you, or you steal five thousand dollars or whatever. 
Even People if you get knock away over with a it. bank all the time, they get you know fifteen hundred dollars. Of course, they're often junkies, right? Yeah that that's the that's the um that's the wild card in a lot of stuff. Is it doesn't make any sense to steal this unless you need some meth today because you're addicted, right? Then it makes right. sense to steal my car stereo or my kid's bike or whatever that you're gonna get twenty bucks for, right? I wish we could work something out. Yeah, I don't. This wouldn't work for obvious practical reasons, but I wish we could work something out with thieves. This is what I thought after I got my car stereo stereo stolen once. Is I would gladly buy it back for more than what the loser got for it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you count in, you know, ripping apart the dashboard fees. Right. You're going to get 40 bucks worth of crack for that. Same with when Here's my, 40 bucks. Same with my son's bike got <laughs> stolen at the park. Um, he cried, hurt his feelings. He got that bike for his birthday. What'd you get? 15 effing dollars for it? Here, I'll give you 30. Now, leave my kid's bike alone. Yeah, but, I hear you. you know, obviously, you open that door and you'd never end. Right. Ironically, there have been a couple of high-profile uh, correspondents from police organizations to the people who live in their cities saying something similar. One is getting a lot of attention out of Minneapolis, where they're talking about defunding the police. The cops are telling the people, look, you're going to be a victim of crime. Here's how it goes. Mm. Here's what you need to do. Give your stuff to the criminals. That in the uh, the letter from Carmen Best, the chief in Seattle, getting a lot of attention as well. A uh, whole bunch of good stuff to come. Don't go away. Text thing for you. Prepare for next hour because I got on this thread on uh, the Twitter over the weekend that I thought was good. What's the dumbest thing you thought about the pandemic back in early March? I've got several on, of my own that, in uh, you know, looking back on it, seem ridiculous. An intriguing question. Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC four one five two nine five KFTC. I have these two pieces of information in my greasy mitts. Hey, you should wash your mitts more often. <laughs> Both having to do with Minneapolis, Minnesota. What a great city. And St. Paul. Who are also, we to also a great give city. short shrift to the great St. Paul? Somebody will probably say to figure out St. Paul uh, did something bad once and they'll change the the name of it. You know, cancel him. But anyway. um, One has to do with the fact that... Canceled! The, do we still have that around? Yeah, come on. St. Paul will get canceled. Canceled! That's right. I almost think it needs a sound. Like a lightning bolt or something? Yeah, you know, canceled. Canceled! (laughs) Do you have a pew sound in there? An explosion? We'll work on that for next hour. That'll be exciting. (laughs) So you have the Minneapolis police facing staffing challenges. It's a near crisis as violence is rising. They're down at least 100 officers since the killing of George Floyd, more than 10% of the force, and uh, homicides and violent crime are skyrocketing in Minneapolis. I'm, 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 I'm not laughing. I'm, I'm aghast. And this other story, Minneapolis, plagued by violent crime, wants victims to cooperate with criminals and surround and surrender property. 
Um, they've sent a letter addressed to residents living in the city's third precinct saying robberies and carjackings have increased in our precinct, cell phones, purses, vehicles being targeted. Some victims have been maced, dragged, assaulted, threatened with a gun. Hundred robberies, twenty carjackings have been reported in the third precinct in July alone. One police precinct, one hundred robberies and twenty carjackings, if you can imagine. And one of the instru- a couple of the instructions that are getting a lot of attention are be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse or wallet. Do as they say. Your safety is most important. So it's it's the old uh, you're going to get robbed. So here's how you handle it. Instead of a letter saying we're going to bust our asses to find these people and put them in jail, and a lot of people are are pretty unhappy about that. Honestly, if you live in a crime ridden neighborhood, it's probably good to mentally run through what you're going to do anyway. Um, but yeah, but the police aren't supposed to tell you that. No, well, that's, remember that's not what they're supposed to do. Carmen Best in Seattle, the chief of police, saying to businesses. The city council has told us we cannot control angry, violent mobs. They are going to break into your business. They're going to steal your stuff. They're going to torch it. They're going to vandalize it. You're on your own. Good luck. This is really an amazing time. And you know, I was going to talk a little more about those two things, but it, it occurred to me, uh, the uh, the officer who, who killed George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, is that his name? Chauvin Chauvin? I think so. He may be, I'm trying to find the right word for this. He may be one of the great villains of American history. Not that what he did was, you know, akin to, you know, seceding from the Union or something like that. But he's the guy who was driving an explosives truck drunk. He damaged the dam and, 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 and the, there was a flood and it killed 100,000 people. The effect of his psychopathy in killing George Floyd could be enormous in American history because he has given the cover of racial justice or racism or something, the whole racial, uh, you know, kit of magic words. He's given cover to Marxists and radicals of all different stripes. And with the cooperation of the media, who never call them out for what they are, I saw some more great journalism on mostly peaceful riots and the horrific violence being done in the mostly peaceful demonstrations. This guy, in killing George Floyd, may have given cover to the folks who usher America into a horrific new reality, at least for a while, of of radical leftist politics. We got a couple of texts from people who have done the underground thing that is becoming more popular in America. I had to, quote, go through the back door yesterday to get my nails done. It was awesome. I felt like I was sticking it to the man. And and I was helping keep the economy alive. And it was perfectly safe, I felt, in the salon. We also got somebody who said, I got my hair cut at a snip easy. Snip easy. Snip easy. I like it. Uh, Guess what? I'm still alive and it was cheaper. A human who I know, and that's about as specific as I want to get, Went to a business uh, clandestinely and was told by the proprietor of that business, they'll be doing business next door. I'll be damned if I'm staying shut. Because next door was doing it through the back door as well. And so more and more business owners are saying, wait a minute. Not only is who's allowed to be open ridiculous, depending on where you are, it varies county to county, state to state, but 
not only is the official you can be open a thing ridiculous, but these other places aren't supposed to be open, and they are, and they're doing business. I can't make my rent. I'm doing business. So as we were talking about last hour, you're going to see a, or I guess earlier this hour, you're going to see a giant explosion in a shadow economy, a black market in the U.S. It's already happening. People are cleverly figuring out ways around what we believe to be a wild overreaction and just misreaction to the COVID thing. Uh, numbers are in for July on background checks for buying guns. 3.6 million, highest, third highest number ever. The two previous highest numbers are the two previous months. So people are still buying guns at, at a tremendous clip. I got to go get me some ammo. I'm low on ammo, and I got some shooting I want to do. And you live in a place where you got to, like, uh, jump through a whole bunch of hoops. Well, yeah, oh, I know it. But uh, speaking of hoops, in my neighborhood, there's this big old coyote that's uh, been hanging around. And he's, man, he's snatching cats out of backyards and... Um, you know, Cat snatching. Coyotes will yank a little dog right off a leash right in front of you. They don't give a damn. The thing's trotted right next to my car, barely even looks at me, and I really want to off it. But I don't exactly live in the sort of neighborhood where you can shoot varmints. So I'm thinking of going around to all my neighbors and saying, hey, look, this coyote that's eating everybody's cats, I'm going to shoot it. So if you hear a big boom Tuesday afternoon, do me a favor, don't call the cops. The police come say you don't know nothing. I'm, I'm trained in see gun anything. safety. I'll make sure it's a good, clean shot, the rest of it. I didn't hear anything. Right, exactly. You need to be one of those neighborhoods where nobody talks to the police. Exactly. I don't know what you're talking about. What coyote? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.